Hello and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, the Bucks have advanced, so it's time to preview the Boston versus Milwaukee extravaganza that is about to go down this Sunday in the NBA playoffs and our ode to Chicago, telling them it is time to bend the knee to Wisconsin sports. And then we're having a little fun. We're going back in time to tell the future. We're going to go over the 2021 draft, who hit as a home run, who missed, and what trends can we look out for this weekend, this Thursday, come NFL Draft Weekend. Let's run the music. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast today. I am your host, Matt Guest, with me out in Draft City, Las Vegas, Nevada. It is about to be a crazy weekend for you, my friend. Matt Morris, how are you? What's good? Yeah, man, it is, uh, it's here. We made it. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. Yep. The draft will be live tomorrow. They're kicking off at 4 p.m. Um, Pacific. I think that's what I saw online. Uh, it'll be good, man. And it's warm. It's like tonight was the first night, popped over, you know, did some errands before we jumped on today. I actually had the windows down. It's feeling good in Vegas. So I really hope tomorrow is <laughs> a good night, 80, 85, and, you know, the city can be a buzz and we can watch these kids walk across the Bellagio Fountain. Yeah, I saw a couple um, stills and screenshots from the setup. It looks, uh, it looks legit out there, man. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun. What I did see on some of the other shows that I've been watching or that I honestly, not that I've been watching, that I watch a lot, is uh, they did shut off betting on the draft in Vegas as of 5 p.m. tonight. So Mm. if you did not get your bets in in Las Vegas by 5 p.m. Pacific time, you're shit out of luck. And and I kind of gave that some deep thinking. I was like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, why would you do that? But at the same time, if... Ian Rappaport or Schefter or whoever these guys are uh, tweet out that, you know, Walker's going number one or Thibodeau is going number one or Hutch, you know, whatever it might be. If you can get in there and get some early action on some plus money, like, you know, the, the books are going to die from that. So I think it is all fair in games. 5 p.m. Pacific time, I think, was the actual start of the draft when the first team is on the clock. I think the coverage tomorrow starts at four o'clock our time. But, you know, and this is me personally, like I watch the draft in the background. Like I will be watching the NBA playoffs tomorrow with the draft on my phone or on my laptop. If I pull a second TV in, because it is quite a bore, in my opinion, to watch on TV. Yes, it is fun to see if we were right about our mocks, but I personally don't think it should last six hours. (laughs) Well, and honestly, like taking this back to when I was a kid, because I've watched the draft usually every year that I can, that that work isn't impeding that. Um, you know, I take what the analysts have to say and to me, that's, that's truth. And now that we started doing the draft series, especially last year and the analysts that we have, I look at a lot of what I hear on ESPN's coverage or NFL networks coverage is either completely wrong or right in line with what we saw. And the guys that are completely wrong for the most part, we're going to talk about, you know, the 2021 class here in a bit. We were almost spot on on everybody. And it, it just goes to show you that some of these guys have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And they're just reading off, um, you know, a pre-written script that the studio has given them. 
and it's just not valuable for me. But with that being said, I would way rather watch the draft than, than basketball. But again, we know this. You're a bigger <laughs> basketball fan. Yeah, um, not the playoffs, but sure. I mean, you know, I would for still me, rather... For me, not the playoffs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, we've, got, we, we've got three game sixes tomorrow night. Like, I'm 100% going to be tuning into one of those games if it's like, oh, we're still on the clock. And by the way, Aiden Hutchinson's dad's sister's boyfriend... <laughs> actually one time met Barack Obama and hit Barack's cousin lived in Vegas who actually stayed in room 745 at the block. Yeah, there's just a lot of that bullshit that bothers me. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that that's the kind of stuff that gets on my nerve. It's like, you know, just tell me about the player. Tell me what's great about him. Um, I love when people get fucking pissed at Mel Kuyper. That kind of stuff's fun and McShay. But uh, Kuype isn't, isn't vaxxed. Bro. No, he's so staying he, at he'll, home, he'll bro. He'll be remote. Yeah, he'll yeah. be remote. <laughs> Well, you must really love the Major League Baseball draft, and you must turn into that every single oh, I, year. I've and totally watched that every single year. <laughs> yes, I've a hundred percent tuned on, uh, turned on. Excuse me, the Major League Baseball draft, the draft where the number one pick might show up in three years. Yeah, like absolutely, I'm turning that on. I think that's the comparison for both, you know, co-host and host here. Uh, back, even <laughs> dating back to third grade, I would skip out of class and go listen to the NFL, to the MLB draft um, on a radio in the secretary's office. That's how dived in I was Shout to baseball. Out. Shout out. Remember Prince Fielder's uh, draft very specifically. I got yelled at pretty good that day. But <laughs> dude, either way, Vegas is very excited. Um, and we're excited, I think, to dive into last year and kind of look at Absolutely. some of the things we saw. Um, just going over it a little bit before we jumped onto it, man, we were right on a lot of things and I, and I'm really intrigued to see what, what comes of this next year for this draft. But, um, question marks, man, I think it's, I think it's time the Raiders or the Packers, they call us up and, uh, they, they employ us as scouts because, you know, <laughs> diving through the internet and just taking what other people say and watching five minutes of film is, I guess it's pretty easy, huh? Yeah, I guess. Um, but but I, I think that's why I'm glad what we did this year, too, with the draft series of just like, let's focus on the heavy hitters. Like, it was really fun diving into the the really, really low key guys last year. But what's going to get our bread and butter and what I think our audience has told us as well is like, just who are these guys going for a second round? Like, wh- what is my team? What should my team take? Like, is my team making a mistake right now? And once we get into recapping last year, looking at trends, looking at what we thought, how it panned out, right, wrong, or otherwise, um, I'm really excited to see how that pans out this year. Now, will I be watching the first five to ten picks? 100%. Will I turn it on when the Packers are on? Yeah, absolutely, right? And, you know, there's a couple teams in between that I'm really interested in checking out, right? Buffalo being one of them. Saints being one of them, Philly being one of them. Like, what what are these teams going to do? So, it should be an interesting draft this year. Um, I mean, I, I do tune in, but I'm also just not one of those people. I've got friends that are just like, I'm going to sit down and watch the draft for seven hours. That that's just that's just not me. Before we get into the draft, though, um, it is NBA playoff time, Matt. It, it, we're still we're still trying to crown a champion over here. As we talked on last episode, the Brooklyn Nets are out. The Boston Celtics are in. And our Milwaukee Bucks will be playing them this Sunday. Time, T, B, D. But before we get into the breakdown, preview, and just kind of my and our general thoughts 
on the series at hand, it is time for us to show a little bit of our homer bias here. Um, for all of our loyal listeners, you know Matt and I are Wisconsin sports fans. Matt was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was born but raised in Orange County, but I, my loyalty lies with the Wisconsin sports teams. So we decided <laughs> a little bit, of, a little bit of deliberation on this segment here, but we decided to give it a good three to five minutes on. You know what? Let, let's be proud of our teams here. And, and more importantly, Matt, let's take a little bit of dig at our biggest city rival, Chicago. So I'll let you kick it off. I have a lot to say, but Matt, let, let's talk a little bit about the dominance of Wisconsin sports over specifically the massive, the largest, the coolest city of Chicago. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of preempted us here. I grew up in the Milwaukee area, and for years and years and years, you know, it's either the Viking fans or the Cub fans or the Bear fans, but it really is from in terms of rivalry Chicago. Minnesota is a far second in reality. You know, we're closer right. in proximity to Chicago, and Chicago fans are more aggressive, much more so than Minnesota. Minnesota is a lot more like Wisconsin. Like, they, they're happy when they do well. And they're kind of happy for you when you do well. There's a little competitive rivalry. But Chicago fans in particular are just absolute morons. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I mean that. They are, they're ignorant most of the time with the team that they, they're rooting for because they think they're better than they actually are. They're aggressively drunk also most of the time if you're at Brewer Games. And then third, they have so much animosity towards the success around them because outside of the Chicago Cubs World Series victory, which was amazing. And I was rooting for the Cubs that season because it had been so long. It was a great team, and it was finally time for them to win. I don't think they'd ever say that about the Milwaukee Brewers. You'd have all of them there, you know, chanting for a loss. And you look at the Bucks, the Packers, as well as the Brewers, we've had continuous dominance over the state of Illinois, over the city of Chicago. The Packers have had their number for almost 30 years with Favre and Rodgers. Sure, there's been a slip up here or there, and the Bears did go to the Super Bowl once and lose. Mind you, they lost. Um, but then you look at the, the, the Brewers, right? The Brewers, as it stands right now, have a team that's competing, competing for division titles, will be this year, was last year, will be right. again next year and the year that follows. And then the Bucks, they just knocked down the Bulls without Chris Middleton. I mean, there is no competition here. Like the, the Wisconsin sports teams are far and away better than the Chicago teams. And had the Blackhawks not had a hundred mile radius ban on any other NHL <laughs> NHL teams, Milwaukee would also have an NHL team, which would probably be doing better than the Blackhawks as well. Again, I don't follow hockey, so I could be ignorant. They could be in first place. Same. But I'm I'm glad we're doing this because it's been a long time, man. And growing up with these Chicago fans was at times really frustrating because it was just that that blind ignorance of we are better because we come from a better city. And I think when you look at it from an economic perspective, what does Wisconsin have outside of their sports teams? Not much, really, truthfully. Um, mm. So it's important for the state of Wisconsin and for their organizations and their franchises to do well because it's a constant reminder and it's a constant distraction for the people of Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, that's the beauty of rooting for a small market team. As I said, I, I grew up in Orange County, the home of the Fairweather fan. Um, and, and that's something I've loved about rooting for the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks, right? Everyone's like, oh, who's your who's your baseball team? Oh, I root for the Brewers. <laughs> you know, people laugh at me like California all the time. And I get it. You know, there, there's nothing sexy about the Brewers. I'm not winning the World Series this year, most likely. Um but but that's the thing because everyone out here 
you know, they have a team that's always winning, right? The Rams always fucking win. Dodgers always fucking win. Lakers always win. Angels even won one in my time out here. But with Chicago, you know, every year you see it on Twitter, on social media. Oh, we're coming for the Packers this year. Oh, the Bucks are trash. And the, it's the Bulls year this year. You know, Lonzo, DeRozan, et cetera, right? Oh, the Cubbies, this and that. It's like, let, let's be honest with ourselves here. They've bent the knee for two decades now. They had one year where they where they show glory. And as you said, Milwaukee sports and Milwaukee people probably rooted for the Cubs because it was a cool story Midwest, right? Um, and, and I think it's time for Wisconsin and Wisconsin sports, specifically the Packers and the Bucks, to say, hey, you guys are the small market team compared to us. We have a loyal fan base. We have the super mega stars here. We have arguably the best player in the National Football League, arguably the best player in the NBA. And all you have is crazy fans on social media trying to tear them down every step of the way. The Bucks lose and Middleton gets hurt game two. And what do the Cubs, or excuse me, the Bulls tweet out? Oh, they just, uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers was in attendance doing what he does best, losing playoff games. One playoff game. And you're going to go there and take a shot at Rodgers, who, by the way, beat you to go to the Super Bowl, who, by the way, hasn't lost multiple games back to back to the Bears ever. Bend the knee, Chicago. Get over it and keep your receipts, because I hope you say this back to me in 10 years, because it's going to happen to us. But as it stands now, Chicago is nothing compared to Wisconsin sports. And it feels great. When you look at uh, this was a number back when Rodgers won his second consecutive MVP, you know, Rodgers has four MVPs in the league, correct? I think so. Yeah. So Rodgers has four. Giannis has two. I think Yelich has one. That's seven MVPs in the last X amount of years. And you, oh, but kinda... Matt, how many titles have they won, Matt? Oh, how many titles? But that's the fun thing, right? Chicago being the big city, you can lump it into the same classification as New York and LA. It's a large city. It's one of the Absolutely. largest cities in the country. Miami tossed it in there as well. And you look at Milwaukee, Wisconsin million people in the city, you know, smaller suburbs, way, way less money economically, seven MVPs. And that just, again, goes to show you where the talent pool is, where the entertainment truly is, right? It was really miserable watching Chris Bryant fade away from his star. It was miserable watching Javi Baez hit 220 and really right. struggle the last couple of years that he was there. It was miserable watching Anthony Rizzo also struggle. Now, all those players are away from that Chicago cancerous teams, and they're all <laughs> succeeding, right? And you look at the Bulls, dating all the way back to when Derrick Rose had finally been injured for that last time before he left. They've been terrible, too. And even before Rose, terrible. they were pretty bad. Like, Jordan is the era there, right? They went from Jordan to nothing. On the Bears, they had, you know, that really good defense with Lovey Smith and got to the Super Bowl and blew it against Manning. And I just think to myself, like, who would I rather be as a sports fan, Wisconsin or Chicago, Illinois? And it's undoubtedly Wisconsin. Like I'm very, very blessed and happy to be a Wisconsin sports fan because I don't think we would be doing this today. I don't think I would have the love for sports if I were a Chicago sports fan. It would just be miserable in all honesty. And I don't say that as like a jab at Chicago sports fans. It's just the truth. There's been a lot of disappointment. And, you know, you're perched on this ledge with that, you know, 80s Bears team and having Jordan. You take those two right. things away. You're an awful sports state in general.
So moving on to actual some series breakdown here. Sorry, Chicago, but not really. The, the We're doomed for 25 years of, of them beating our ass eventually. So we got to get this out of the way now. <laughs> um, The Bucks play the Celtics. Uh, it's going to be the best series in probably the playoffs until the finals. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al Horford. The boys are buzzing in Boston. Boston's been the hottest team basically since the All-Star break. Um, they've had the biggest turnaround I've seen in a long time in professional sports. And there's two things I definitely want to talk about here when it comes to the series. First, the obvious one, Tatum versus Giannis. Now, based on what I've watched and what I've seen here, Matt, I think this matchup's going to go two ways. A, I think Tatum's going to draw the assignment of Giannis. I just don't know who else. Like, I don't think Robert Williams can check him. I think he's too slow. So I think Tatum's going to guard Giannis. But I don't think Giannis is going to guard Tatum because Tatum's technically a three. Giannis is a four or a five. But they don't have Middleton, right? So maybe Giannis does guard him. Anyways, that's the matchup. Now, how are the Celtics going to defend Milwaukee? That's the other question is... Are they going to box out Giannis and basically throw two to three guys at him the way they did Durant? I personally don't think they're going to. I think maybe they double him. Maybe. But the problem and the reason I don't think they do that, Matt, is because the Bucks aren't Brooklyn. As you've seen, even without Chris here, you've got Brooke Lopez. You got Bobby. Grayson Allen's playing great. The bench is deep. You have guys that can actually hit and score and hit clutch shots when when needed, unlike Brooklyn. So what what I really want to see in this series here is is I want to see how Boston defends. And I think what they're going to do, and I think what I would do if I was Boston, is we'll let you get 50. Go for it. You know, literally go for it, and we're going to lock everybody else down. We're going to have Holiday turning the ball over. We're going to have Grayson Allen locked up, not making threes. Bobby's not going to get his way down low or at the three-point line, and we're going to frustrate Brooke Lopez and run him in pick and roll and have him try and defend the three-point line, which he's terrible at. I think that's the play if you're Boston. I think if they go with the KD matchup, like, hey, we're going to W, Giannis is too elite. He's graduated from, we're going to set the wall up, and he's going to try and plow through it and get to the foul line. That was, what was that, 2018, 2019 Giannis when he lost to Toronto. He's graduated from that. So I think that should be the game plan for Boston. And I'm curious, I'm really, really curious to see how they're going to guard this team. Yeah, man, I, I fully agree with you. I think the absolute best form of defense here is to allow Giannis to be a stat stuffer and to control the perimeter at all times if you're Boston. My real big key here is what is Drew Holiday doing? It's his opportunity. He had a few Agreed. opportunities last year. This is your chance. We saw how bad Kyrie was in that series. Kyrie's even marginally better than what he was. I think they get one or two games. And we're talking about a different series here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But seriously, like if Kyrie's even for able sure. to be moderately effective because they had such a staple on Durant and him at times, if Drew can allow the spacing of the floor and allow his teammates to be even marginally open, it's going to allow Milwaukee to really make this series hard on Boston. As it stands today, I'm taking I'm taking Boston. I think they're the better team without, without Chris Middleton. It's going to yeah. be very hard for Milwaukee. Now, this was a conversation we had last podcast. If Milwaukee can win, just give Giannis the crown, glue it to his head. 100%. Um, but 
This is a team game. I preach that a lot. You talk about that a lot. This is up to Drew Holiday. Can he stop on the defensive side? Can he slow down Jalen Brown? Can he slow down Tatum? I doubt he'll be on Tatum one-on-one, but I think he may play no, more on Brown. No, definitely not. Um, you know, you've brought this up off air. Marcus Smart, who does he defend? Who does he lock down? But Milwaukee, like you said, also isn't Brooklyn. We've got the shooters. And I think we also have the size and the athleticism that they may have been lacking. I think it's going to be a very good series. And I'm expecting Chris to come back at some point. You know, can it be a 1-1 game and he comes back game three? Can it be a 2-1 game, you know, Boston up a game and he comes back? Can he come back healthy? If he comes back in this series and he can be 75% of himself, I think this goes seven. If he can't and Drew can't elevate his game to say 22-23 a game with that unbelievable all-star defense, Milwaukee's going to be in trouble because Giannis could score 60 a game. And if Drew's not fully activated, we're going to lose. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, today, the 27th, uh, Wednesday night that we're recording this is officially a week since Middleton's got hurt. So I'd say the first game Sunday, I'd say at least, I I think he's going to be out at least three weeks, like a sprained MCL. I I just don't see him coming back any faster than that. And I agree with you and that. And you're kind of leading me into my second point of the series here is what, what, what's the market smart impact? Because. Tatum and Brown have been great, especially Tatum. He's played out of his mind. But I think what where I'm really, really holding home on Boston is is can Marcus Smart play like this still? He's playing at a fucking top five point guard rate right now. Like that's how well he's playing. Elite defensively, above average facilitator, and a well above average shooter, which he hasn't played like that on the offensive side ever. his entire career. Ever, right? which is all the credit to him. Like he's playing really, really good. I've, I've always liked smart coming out of Oklahoma state. So can he keep this going? Because I think that's the matchup. I think it's smart versus holiday. You kind of, you kind of alluded to drew. I think if drew can sl- at least slow down Marcus offensively, where he's not hitting these threes, he's not making an impact on offense and he's only playing defensive Marcus smart. I think he'll kind of revert back to his old habits, taking bad shots, making bad turnovers where you know, that leads into Milwaukee's favor. Now, if Smart is, you know, shooting 35 to 40% from three, he's forcing turnovers and he completely takes Drew Holiday out of the series, I think it might be over in five. 100%. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. But my biggest thing is A, like I said, how are they going to defend Giannis? Because I don't think they can. I don't think there's a human on earth who can stop this man right now. I think he's playing at the absolute peak of his powers. I think he's finally hit the climax of his entire arsenal of a basketball player, right? Fuck the three-pointer. He hits a couple every once in a while. But if that man needs to get a bucket, he's got the mid-range. He's got the spin moves. He's got the Euro step. No one can check him one-on-one. Tatum will not be able to check him one-on-one the way he checked KD. So I think the crucial key matchup is Holiday versus Smart. And the winner of that matchup, which I'm a little nervous it's going to be smart because he's so hot right now, will determine whether this goes five, six, seven. And if it does get to that seventh game and you get a 85, 90, 95% Middleton, I think the Celtics would be in trouble. I'm taking the Bucks in six. Oh, I like it. I, and I hope you're right, Matt. Um, it must and that's be not nice. a homer take. Like I just really do think... The bu- I just think Giannis is on another level. I think this is his LeBron's run. I think this is his LeBron 
run right now. I do. And I'm trying to keep my bias as much out of this as possible because it's hard because I love them. I was there watching them win the title last year. Like it was fucking awesome. But I, I really think he's he's on that God 99 overall in 2K level. Like he's playing insane. Well, if they can get past Brooklyn, they win the they win it. It's over. I think Brooklyn Boston, is the yeah. uh, sorry, Boston. If they can beat Boston, this is the test. This is the team, right? You get through these guys without Chris Middleton for half or 75% of the series. There's nothing that confidence can't slow down. And that's kind of the thing I'm intrigued for too. Boston's coming out of the series against Brooklyn sky high on confidence. 100%. Game one, game two is very important. There's also something there with Brooklyn not having the confidence and kind of checking out of the series. Milwaukee doesn't do that. Lost to the Bulls this year. World's falling on Twitter. Bucks shrug <laughs> right. themselves off, come out, sweep, you know, sweep the rest of the games. When three games um, went 20 plus, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they responded, right? And if you look at last year, we thought they were dead in the water against Brooklyn. Sure, some injuries really helped, but you also have to mentally be ready for that. You have to push and push and push. And Brooklyn just didn't, they flat out didn't do that. So that also played into the hand of Boston. Boston's going to be in for a challenge. I want to see how they respond. We know Milwaukee can respond. Smart's going to have a couple bad games. How does he respond? Does he immediately revert to the player that we've seen over the past eight, nine years of his career where he's like, damn, like he might be a liability on the floor at times because that's what he has been. It also must be nice for him to be in a contract year. He's out here getting himself paid, right? So right. there are a lot of underlying things that are at play, but I think you made a good point, you know, Drew against Smart, and also the confidence. Who can who can battle? This will be a battle series if Giannis can go out there and if the Bucks can hit their shots, if Grayson Allen can be a guy to rely on, right? Because he right. has to be right, right now. Um, if Pat can go out there and continue to play that role and continue to get 10, 15 points a game and hit the shots when he needs to, like as of right now against the Bulls, they've made up for Middleton. You know, is it is it Chris Middleton out there in replacement level? No, but they're doing more than enough job as a starter on an NBA team in the playoffs. Boston's going to be a little bit harder. Boston is a much, much better team than, than Chicago. Um, yeah, man, this is going to be a fantastic series. I, I still yeah. am going to take Boston for the simple fact that without Chris... They're hot. And they're hot, but... They're young. They're still young. All right. So for the last segment of the day today, um, we, w- we want to keep it pretty draft centric because this episode is going to come out on the draft. So we did our mock draft on episode 108, our last episode here. So what we wanted to do, because we were kind of debating like back and forth, what, what should we do? What would be best for you guys as the listener um, coming into this big NFL weekend, right? And we decided that we're actually going to go back one year, right? We, we've come here now. We're in 2022. We've done our draft series. We've done our mocks. We, we have an idea of what we think is going to happen now in the first round. We have an idea of what we think teams should do. Now, let's take it back one year. Because what we did when we analyzed last year's draft is, yes, there's a lot of differences, right? The, the quarterbacks from last year's class, much better, much more elite, have way bigger impact on the draft. But there's a lot of situations along the way that are very similar to this year. And there's immediate consequences of some actions from last year that I think we can translate to this year. So Matt, my co-host here, actually wrote down a ton of notes. Really awesome stuff. So he's going to drive the segment here. And we have some really good discussion over some wide receivers, cornerbacks, basically. And he'll explain to you who were the home runs, the unknowns, and the TBDs on what happened last year and how we think that translates this year. 
Yeah. And, you know, if you have any interest in looking back on our draft series last year that we did to kind of just reevaluate some of the players that we looked deep into, you know, check us out. I'm sure it's probably episode 60, 70. You, you can find yeah. it on Spotify or Apple because it was yep. really fun. And there's a lot of really like key details I think we went into for some of these guys that translated. Yep. When I looked at 1 through 32 on, on the 2021 draft, I really wanted to just say, okay, it's either a home run or an unknown. After a year, I don't think it's fair to mark any of these guys as a bust unless they were completely out of the league, like right. we've seen from a few past drafts. Um, right. So out of 32 total picks, we had 13 home runs, which is pretty good after one year. Um, right. you know, It's definitely not some of the draft classes that we've looked back on the past, but there were five overall quarterbacks. Out of the five overall quarterbacks, I marked one as a home run, and that was Mac Jones. We saw enough of Mac in a good system. Maybe didn't finish the season like we wanted, wanted, but he's their starting quarterback. He's their franchise quarterback. There's no question of that. Playoff QB, Pro Bowl, right? Very fun. Out of the running back class, we had two running backs taken. One was a home run. One was an unknown. Um, Obviously, Najee Harris is our home run there for Pittsburgh. You and I love Brees Hall this season. I think at 24 last year for Najee Harris, at 25 this year for Baltimore, you're going to have almost the same impact. I personally have a little more concern about Brees Hall than I did about Najee, but I do think Brees could be a better running back in the NFL. Um, Najee wasn't as effective as we would have loved to see. From the wide receiver perspective, we had five total wide receivers. We had two of the five marked down for me as home runs. Matt, I think that's something we're going to talk about here, right? We're going to talk about uh, Smith for the Eagles. I don't have him as a home run just because I don't think Jalen gave him enough opportunities to prove that he was a home run pick. Uh, tight end, only tight end in the first round was Kyle Pitts. Guaranteed slam yeah. dunk. Give him a grand slam. <laughs> offensive line, we had uh, five total offensive linemen taken. Two of those five were home runs. Uh, again, it's early. I think really the only guy I would even consider taking as a bust right now is probably Alex Leatherwood. And I think he can be a startable guy in the NFL. And that's a first round pick. Again, give him time. From the edge position, we had uh, six total edges taken. At That's three, wild. yeah, at three being home runs. Now, edge defensive line kind of mixed. We didn't have any nose tackles or D tackles that I put into this equation. So, a 50% hit rate on that edge. A um, couple guys that we'll talk about here is what the Cardinals did, what the Miami Dolphins did at 18. Uh, linebacker position, we had three total linebackers taken. One of those hit as a, as a home run. And then out of the cornerback position, three of five. So, five total with three hitting. And the two guys that weren't able to be called hits, J.C. Horn at eight for the Panthers. And then you had Caleb Farley at 22 for the Titans, both toward their ACL. But before the ACL tears, we're looking great. Yeah, and and we'll get into it here. But just the the notion of of Najee Harris, right? You, you said you're not as confident in Brees Hall as you were in, in Najee Harris. I, I think... A, Najee had a great season for what it was, right? Ben Roethlisberger's last year, he was terrible. Um, Really mature team, really veteran presence, and he made an immediate impact. Was a top five running back in fantasy, too. So uh, when it comes to that, that's massive. But a guy like Brees, and and this is why we're all in on him going to Buffalo. Like, it just makes sense. Like, you put yourself into a legit win-now offense, there's no way it doesn't work, right? And for a lot of these guys that were home runs, they fell into the right situation. So before we get into the deep, deep discussion on it, let's run through the the one through 32. You have some really good notes here, and then that'll lead us into probably, I think, the wide receiver in corner conversation to start off. Yeah, so one through three, three cornerbacks taken. You had Lawrence, 
Wilson and Lance, all unknowns, right. you know, all have great potential, all have flashed some big time concerns as well. At four, you have Pitts. Uh, five, you have Chase. Six, you have Waddle. Seven, you have Penny Sewell. I have four through seven, all home runs. I mean, you, any of these teams could have taken any of these guys, slam dunk hit, hits here. Just beautiful. Eight yep. is our first question mark. You and I talked about this before we jumped on today. I loved what I saw from JC Horn before the injury, but at number eight, you take him over Patrick Sertan the second, which was taken at nine, right underneath him. We knew right. what Patrick Sertan was coming out of the draft last year. Played at Alabama, locked a lot of guys up, looked like a 10-year starter in the NFL with the potential of being a multi-time pro, bowl, pro bowler, possibly also an all-pro. But Carolina chose to take J.C. Horn, and I found that very interesting. Then you drop down to 12, where Dallas got Micah Parsons, and he fell on draft day. That was a big thing. I mean, 12 was a faller. But again, they chose J.C. Horn over Sertan and Parsons. That is something that I'm looking towards tomorrow. What kind of team makes a risky move, right? Eight, nine, ten, guy that maybe was in our twenties or our you know late teens, and I think it's a mistake in that in that range. You got to go for the guy that has the elite level talent, and I yep. personally think that was Sertan and Parsons last year. Yeah. So first things first with that whole uh, the, that first date there is I, I thought coming into the draft, both of us did. And, and this, the reason he's an unknown is because he plays for Jacksonville. I thought out of those first three quarterbacks that uh, Lawrence is the home run. And, and I think he still has the potential to be the home run out of the first three guys, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to what you were just saying about Parsons, Parsons this year is tipped up for me. For some reason, yep. the, guy who was, yep. the guy who was going to be the number one pick for two fucking seasons now is he doesn't love football. He didn't test great. He's cocky. All these, in my opinion, irrelevant things, right? You, you call me wrong if you want. That's fine. I think that's irrelevant to me. He's going to fall to nine, right? We both mock him as the number one guy. Both of us. I think he should be. I, I don't think it's much of a debate. He's going to fall. And if he falls to 10, 11, 12, 8, I think those seven teams in front of him after three games, just like Micah Parsons, when you were out there watching him like, this guy's Really good at football. Very good. I think Thibodeau this year is the Michael Parsons of this draft. Matt, I, I 100 billion times agree with you. Um, and I think Thibodeau has more athleticism than Parsons does. Agreed. Now, They're different players. but Different yes. players. And I think Parsons also landed with the Dallas Cowboys, whether you as fans agree with this or not, in a good organization um, with a veteran coaching Agreed. staff that can motivate him and keep him in line, as well as players on the field like Lawrence, to motivate him and, and be a leader, right? Fit is everything as well in the NFL. It's really important to notice that as no well. No doubt, no doubt. So Thibodeau going to possibly Jacksonville that we've said, I don't love that. But if he falls, like he's, you know, scheduled to by other mock drafts. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, he could find himself in a really, really good coaching situation. And I, I just ultimately think this 2021 draft class had so much elite talent. Then we don't see this year. You had Lawrence, you had Pitts, you had Chase, you had Waddle, you had Penny Soul, who, in my opinion, are all hands down above the players at the position this season. Great wide receiver core, but Chase and Waddle are possibly generational talents. No doubt. I don't. No I doubt. don't know that we can say that Wilson and Alave. Uh, or even Jameson, in that same, yeah. yeah, or even in that same classification, Jamison probably, but because of the injury, you can't really say that. You know, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan the second. Like now that we've seen them play, it's like, damn, these guys were also elite level players. 
Now from the cornerback position, we have Sauce Garner, unbelievable. I'd consider him elite and Stingley as well. So we talked about this off, off air. It will be interesting to see is Garner more like JC Horn and is Stingley the guy that he was freshman year at LSU? Is he right. Patrick Sertan the second? And is everyone looks stupid that took Sauce Garner over him? Because when you look at the athleticism and the production, he, he is the transcendent next lockdown top five corner in the league being Stingley. But Garner is hot playing on a, you know, had a great season with a great bowl game. Like some of these things I'm assuming were similar with JC Horn had coming out of the, the draft last year. I just have a problem with the, the Panthers passing up on Sertan and Parsons. I, I don't think when you hold the number eight overall pick, you can do things like that. No, I agree with you. And, and that's why, I mean, that's why we have, well, I have both corners going top five. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think those guys, they're, they're locks right now. I, I think a guy that we might look at and be like, damn, you really took Aiden Hutchinson over, you know, Thibodeau. 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 Yeah. You know, this could be, oh, you took Trayvon Walker, number one, right? Like he's testing out great. I don't dislike him at all. But, you know, th this is the game we play. But move yeah. on to the next part. Yeah. So another really big key that I noticed here, we had Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers at 13 last year. We love yep. the pick. We love the player. A couple question marks that we had based on his you know, ability to be quick off the line. He answered those questions, no problem. But if you also look at him at 13, he was the second offensive tackle, offensive lineman in general taken off the board because there was so much elite level talent above him on top of having four quarterbacks go off the board before 13. So there was a lot more heavy quarterback action in the 21, 2021 class that we're also, I don't think, going to see this year. I think, Willis, someone may get taken in that top 12, maybe. But Slater here, I think, was an absolute slam dunk, and it was a huge value. If you look at this season, we're talking about possibly three or four um, offensive linemen, offensive tackles taken before 12. Yeah. That in itself, one They're of them is going to miss. They're studs, yep. but one of them may miss, right? So then you look at 14 of the 2021 draft, Elijah Vera Tucker for New York. I have him as a question mark. Guard position, he's a little bit younger as well, playing on a bad Jets offensive line. News reports over this week talked about um, Beacon, the left tackle for the Jets, may not play out for their team ever again. So yep. again, question marks, right? Like, how do you go out and have a Pro Bowl level season or even a really good rookie season when your offensive line, the guys around you are question marks? He still has to be seen. I think that could turn into a home run if they can sure up some of those, those question marks. Um, 15 was the last draft position before we go kind of on a, on a run here of, in my opinion, unknown slash possible busts. Mac Jones at 15, Patriots waited for their guy, fit the system, they took him, right? We could be talking about Kenny Pickett next season in the offseason as the guy possibly with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers if he gets his opportunity because Trubisky falters, falling into that same classification of fit the system, they didn't have to trade up, they got their guy and plays well. I think all of those things is what happened with Mac Jones. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, you and I were, you and I were high on Fields and Jones coming out um not high on wilson not high on lance and i mean it's inevitable someone's gonna someone's gonna reach for willis or Pickett or both right i i don't think it's gonna happen but i wouldn't be surprised they both go top 10 right like yeah. that's not gonna like blow my mind if that happens because that's the nfl right now the guy this year that i think is the mac jones-esque not so much but in a similar fashion is desmond ritter now do i think ritter's gonna go first round Probably not. If he does, uh, man, if he does, I, I could see him going 32 to the Lions, right? Like, 
I could see him going right there at the end of the draft. But I think if there's a guy that gets drafted by just the right team, just the right time, just the right system that could maybe win the job in the offseason camp, I don't think it's Willis. I don't think it's Pickett. I think it's Desmond Ritter. So that, that's what I'm going to call for my quote-unquote Mac Jones. Definitely not a top 15 pick, but I could see And this might be a second-round thing too, man. So um, I, I think Desmond Ritter's that, the quote-unquote Mac Jones of the class this year. Okay, Matt, question for you. Sure. You love Desmond Ritter. You, you I know, do. You put, you put yourself out there for him, and I love it. We all have our guys. You have a choice as an NFL GM. Nearing the end of the first round, you have the sure. opportunity to trade up into the first to get that fifth-year option on Desmond Ritter. Would you rather have Desmond Ritter or Jordan Love on your roster training camp this season? Um, depending on the team, obviously. We'll say, I'll tell you right now, if I'm the Lions at 32, I take them. If you if, if on my draft board, I'm like, I want to draft a backup quarterback that could potentially start for me at the end of this year or next year, I take him. So you 100%. would take him over now, Love? Yeah, I would. I would. Why not? Okay. Like, like, what has Jordan showed me? And I like Love, but like, what has Jordan showed me that makes that makes it worth trading for a guy that I'm gonna have to pay for in two years? That, that that's where I'm at. You know. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm the Saints, now if I'm Carolina, now if I'm Atlanta, I think that's a little different. Maybe not Atlanta, Carolina, and the Saints for sure. I think teams ready to compete, but still lacking that possible. I'd rather take a kid who's six six, had a couple games experience, started an NFL game before. That's different. If I'm the Detroit Lions, though, at thirty two, I take Ritter, or I take if Willis is there at thirty two, I take Willis. Right, like a hundred percent. Well, and I'm believing the hype at thirty two that teams are going to facilitate a trade with the Lions. If the Lions aren't sold on a quarterback. It makes all the sense in the world to say, okay, you the give Lamar me... The Lamar Jackson trade, 100%. Absolutely, right? Because that fifth-year option... that worked we've, out. We've banged this drum about Jordan Love for how long now? And look at Kyler Murray, right? Contract issues. Sorry, bud. Yeah, you're here for two years. You can yeah. be pissed off, deleting photos, cleaning your Instagram all you want. <laughs> yeah. That fifth-year <laughs> yeah. option is huge. It really is in the NFL. But moving on. We have 16 through 20. Our first... Uh-oh, probably shouldn't have taken these guys, question Death mark. Valley. Death Valley. So we have 16, Xavion Collins with the Arizona Cardinals. You and I kind of had some question marks about Xavion's off-the-field antics as well as his just overall top-end explosive speed. Well, came to fruition last year. Um, I don't think it's too early to say, okay, this kid's going to be off the team in three years, but I, I think he's probably going to be a rotational piece um, that now that Chandler Jones is gone is going to have to step up. This is his year. Second year to make or break for, for Xavion Collins. 17th overall offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood for my Las Vegas Raiders. Yikes. Um, everything that we talked about last year came to fruition. We just, the penalties. You know, freshman year won the offensive lineman of the of the year. I think it was at Bama. Um, and then the, the Raiders moved him to guard. A lot of penalties last year. Uh, this again, second year. Can he be a guy that can start in the NFL? That's not what you love to hear after your first season spending the 17th overall pick. 18th overall, we have defensive end Jalen Phillips from Miami. Now, I don't think Jalen played a lot of snaps last year, Matt. I wasn't, I wasn't a Miami Dolphins fan. I didn't hear, you know, Jalen in the box scores or on the telecast doing very well. Um, we also didn't love Phillips. I think he, what, 24 years old coming out of Miami, wasn't it? Yeah. And the, we had 
weird question marks because I think there was a point in his career where he almost retired from football due to injuries. So taking a guy like that at 18 for upside, I think I would have rather had Quiddy Pay and his upside from Michigan right. here at 21. Then 19, we have uh, Jamin Davis, Washington football team. Um, you know, middle linebacker. Cool name. I think we give the guys a pass though. You know, same thing for with sure. Patrick Queen. Like middle linebacker is a very, very hard position to execute properly well, as a rookie. And that, in the NFL. And that Washington defense just fell apart last year. Like well, mm-hmm. whatever it was, whether it was the scheme, the players, the coaching, all the above, that, that whole defense, like outside of Chase Young, they all pretty much they flopped pretty bad. So that that one isn't unknown one hundred percent. I w- I wouldn't give him. Unknown. I wouldn't give Jamin a um a full bust yet. Definitely yeah. not. And also, if you look at the most recent middle linebacker rookie Devin White to be successful in his rookie season, you had eye popping athleticism. You had the ability to structure yourself in a de- in a defense with leadership as well as an offense with leadership. You know that right. wasn't there for Jamin in Washington. Plus, you have an organization that's mixed in turmoil. I think that's right. probably a big reason that defense struggled last year. Moving on to 20, we had Kadavius Tony for the Giants uh, in the news recently. And honestly, when Tony played last season, it was very, Electric. very, very good. Yep. I mean, definitely first-round talent. My concern is the diva mentality that possibly developed. And he's got Daniel Jones throwing him the ball. We all know how I feel about Daniel Jones. Right. Uh, I think year two will be really interesting for him. He is skipping voluntary workouts this offseason, which was what has led to the trade kind of conversations being brought up. I have him as an unknown. We need to see how the personality translates to the field, how the field play and production shows up. Uh, but we have our next home run at 21 overall, Quiddy Pay. You were pretty sold on him last year. I was the opposite end. I was very wrong. Him coming to the Colts, I think, was the absolute best fit. He played fantastically on that defense and honestly gave them a piece I didn't think they need, which is now a foundation for them. Right. Moving on at 22, we talked about Caleb Farley a little bit. Looked good for the Titans. Um, he looked they, really good, actually. He just they needed it. Bad injury. Bad injury. And that secondary was bad, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, has been bad. bad with him, I think, coming back year two. I think they have a big boost. I would look for them this draft. We've kind of done our mocks, but if you can add even another cornerback, um, you might be able to actually shore up some of that pass game defense. 23 overall Minnesota Vikings took Christian Darso, offensive tackle. I have him as an unknown currently. Played he had a good okay year, last though. year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's a starter, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had a good year last year. Um, average to above average. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't give him a home run. He's definitely trending up, not down. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, depending on what the Lions do, he's going to have to do work. You, know, you have the Packers pass rush, which I think is above average and then yeah. you possibly have the lions if they add hutchinson or they add thibodeau uh even walker you know he's gonna have a full slight on his on his mantle to protect kirk cousins there we'll really know what he is at the end of this season Najee harris 24 overall we talked about at home run uh absolutely think it was the perfect fit for the offense bruiser a guy that could go in there and, and take the touches 25 overall travis ntn not a whole not only not a home run a complete unknown because of the acl and we kind of wanted to mention just the players that were taken after him you look at what jacksonville's biggest weakness is and they took a cornerback first overall in the second round last year but greg newsom was taken right after etn and newsom's a fantastic cornerback um i think i'd probably take newsom over eric stokes personally but you also could have had eric stokes two guys that would have really shored up that secondary and you chose the running back 
And as we saw, we had Javante Williams also in the second round played electric, right? We have Michael Carter taken in the second or third round played very, very well. They chose to go ETN. We never got to really see what his potential was because of the ACL. Forementioned Greg Newsome, 26 overall home run, absolute home run. Pair him with Ward, who just signed the contract. I think the Browns have their secondary locked up for the next five, six years. 27, Rashad Bateman. In and out of injuries. You watched a lot more of Bateman yeah. last year than I did, Matt. Um, I'm, I'm not I willing to give him home run. Year, yeah. Do you think he has the ability, playing a full season with Lamar, to be a home run after year two? No doubt, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I was ridiculously high on him last year. I still am. Um, he He showed it. He showed it. He showed that he has the potential to be the elite wide receiver that I thought he was going to be. I, I had him slated in at wide receiver three after Waddle and Jace. I, I still believe he can be that guy. I believe he can be better. Devontae Smith um, needs to play a full camp, needs to not get injured. So if he can't get injured and can't play a full camp, then I'm wrong. But if, yeah. if he has a full offseason this year, I think he's uh, he's the guy, 100%. Uh, before you get into the next teams, too, I, I think it's also interesting that when we get into Death Valley, this draft limbo, this you know, th- this little area where teams really swing and miss. Like, look at these fucking teams, right? These are always the teams that are sixteen to twenty, never bad, but never good. The yep. Washingtons of the world, the Jacksonville, who has their second pick there, right? Like, go get the best player available. You know, don't take a Travis Etienne there. And, and we like Etienne. We both were high on Etienne. There was nothing yep. wrong with Etienne there, but you can't stop a cold. You know, go go draft someone who's going to make an immediate impact day one. You have fucking James Robinson as your running back, right? You have, you know, taking these projects, uh, the defensive end from Florida, I forget his name, right? You, you have the Dolphins taking that guy. You have 1,700 picks and you're going to pick that guy? You're not going to go with the, you know, the the actual guy who has real potential? I mean, it's it's just interesting to me. And, and this is the, the word for the wise, right? Coming into this draft, and this even will speak volumes for this top 10. You got the Giants and the Jets, two very, very good franchises at screwing things up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if Trayvon Walker's there, you take him. Yep. If Sauce is there, you take him, right? Take the guy you know is going to make an impact on your team day one. Well, Don't and- take the project. Don't do it. Or you're just well, going to be back the, in the same spot. Like, don't take, don't the, take the guy who doesn't give a shit. Right. right? You know, I, I just Williams don't get it. To, at four, there's word that the, the the Jets are thinking about. And again, word is means nothing. Right. Especially you know, today. Four weeks before the draft. But yeah, to take Williams, four or 10, if you're the Jets, you're the Jets or Giants with their two picks in the top you know, 12 or whatever it might be. You're morons. Go and sure up your team. Fill the spots. Draft the guys that are going to be six-year starters, the guys that have Pro Bowl opportunity. Don't draft Jamison Williams with the idea that, hey, we might have the next Tyreek Hill. You don't have an offensive line right now to even throw the ball to Tyreek Hill. You just spent $100 million on on receivers. Absolutely. So you're right. These teams really need to think about it because you talk about Jalen Phillips. You talk about Xavier Collins, 16-18, right? We didn't like either of them. But you know what? Neither of them had the upside that Quiddy did. They didn't. You talked about it last year. Quiddy Pay, upside. You saw it on, on tape. You saw his ability to play and rush the quarterback. You had massive question marks with Phillips and Collins. If me and you are in the draft room and we're arguing about who we're taking here at 16 or 18, I'm going to side with you with Quiddy Pay because I'm going to be like, all right, at least you know the injuries aren't there. He wasn't about to retire. He didn't get in a terrible motorcycle accident, and we're not questioning his elite end speed. 
all of those things tell me that you're not a first round player and Collins and Phillips did not look like first round players last year. No, I completely agree. And, and, and who did the Ravens end up with? Oh, arguably yep. the best DN in the entire draft last year, right? The Packers end up with Stokes, almost a pro bowler, yep. you know, Fowler, you know, the list goes on, man. Like the rich just keep getting richer. It's unbelievable to me. Like, I, I don't understand it. Well, you know? and the rich get richer. This is our, we'll go to 28 now. Peyton yeah. Turner. I watched the draft last year. I was working while watching the draft. Um, well, when Turner got taken, I remember the analyst going, oh, wow, like this is kind of so, of a surprise. I don't even think we talked about Turner pre-draft. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's um, a surprise. And I don't know anything about him. I don't know how he did. I have him as an unknown because from my understanding, the kid really didn't do anything last year. But right. why would you just go out there and take this kid and... You know, you're the Saints. You had the opportunity to get Russo, to get OA, like two great players, right? OA, I think, is better than Russo. Russo it fits that Bills system of rotational piece. But like, why take Turner over either of those guys? It's just stupid to me. I agree. So moving on, Eric Stokes, 29. We have a we have a home run. Love it. I think he develops into a very good Pro Bowl level uh, corner for Green Bay. Yeah, had a great season. Great season. Um, Russo there at 30 for the Bills. Had a pretty good season, again, rotationally. I think it was a good pick. You probably should have taken away there at 30, you know, but oranges and apples there, right? Like, sometimes you're going to miss a guy right below you. It happens. And Oway had a lot of question marks coming out of Penn State as well, didn't he, Matt? A bunch, yeah. I mean, he's he's raw, but, like, you go to a team like the Ravens, you know, and it's similar to the Packers where the Packers develop a lineman. The Ravens just pump out. D, yep. DNs, right? Yep. Like they just, they get the best out of you. It's, it's one of the best organizations in the league. Fit though. We talked about that, right? Like yep. he, he went to a great fit and I think Russo did too. You know, you've got a lot of pieces on a D line for, for Buffalo that pretty good players. Final pick of the first round, uh, Do- Joe Try Try Tryon. Is that how I pronounce it, Matt? Joe Tryon, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive end had a lot of hype coming out of camp. Um, didn't really do a whole lot during the regular season. He was also a rotational piece. I think this was more of a developmental pick for the Buccaneers, hoping that they'll have a guy that can replace some of the aging veterans once Brady's gone. So definitely a wait and see. I'm not willing to give him a bust or anything like that, but that wraps it for us. 13 out of uh, 32 home runs. I think this was a good draft. It could be a great draft. If some of these quarterbacks develop into actual franchise quarterbacks, and, you know, again, back to what we talked about, Matt, 16 through 20. Can any of these guys salvage their careers? I think if any of them do it, I would probably have to put Jamin Davis and Tony as my guys that I'm banking on. Yeah. Well, and the other two things, too, are the are the two cornerbacks not popping their knee. Uh, mm-hmm. Horn, Horn doesn't get hurt. Um, uh, the other guy slipped my mind for Tennessee, but... They they don't get a they they don't pop their knees. I I think they're both at least a hit, right? Maybe a home run. Um, but I think in summary, like what what I learned from talking to you about this before we got on the mics tonight is you go with the for sure thing, right? And and also you're gonna go you go with the for sure thing. The for sure things usually hit one guy that's gonna that shouldn't slip's gonna slip. In my opinion, I'm predicting Thibodeau, as I said. And these teams will reach on quarterbacks, right? There was no reason Zach Wilson nor Trey Lance should have went above Mac Jones last year. It, it was obvious. And Fields, in my opinion. Like, Fields should not have dropped to the Bears at 10 for the teams that needed a quarterback, in my opinion. 
right? Like I, in these teams, they, they just overthink it sometimes. Like why did Deshaun Watson drop, you know, pre allegations and all the bullshit. Like how are you, how in your right mind, can you look at the tape and watch the tape and say, I'm going to take Trubisky over Watson. <laughs> how? And we don't get paid to do this, Matt. Like we do this for fun. We do this for our audience. Like it's absurd to me. It's it's not rocket science, bro. You know how do you look at Kayvon Thibodeau and say, mm, I don't know. It blows my mind. It Hutch too. Like people shitting on Hutchinson. Like how did you watch him at Michigan last year and not say that is not an elite pass rusher in the NFL? I, I couldn't tell you, right? And with these cornerbacks, same deal. With these wide receivers, same deal. I'm predicting now minus injury, you're looking at four out of the five top five receivers home runs. Guaranteed for me. Maybe five out of five. Sauce, Stingley, no doubters. Right? And the teams that get those guys will see the immediate impact. Now, the big question for me is who's going to fuck up first? Houston, the Jets, or the Giants? Who will fuck up? Because one of them will. One, or one the Jags. of them is just, or, or the Jaguars. Sure. Do they yeah. take Walker first overall? It, right? I, like, all, every report today says it's a done deal. Mm-hmm. And is that a fuck up? I don't know. I think it is. Is it TBD? We'll see next year at this time, but it's interesting to me, man. Well, and and then again, you know, I think you look at Zach Wilson last year. I think these NFL GMs are, they live in fear of man. If, if we don't take Wilson and he turns into Patrick Mahomes and we take Justin Fields and he turns into RG three, or he turns into any of these other scrambling quarterbacks, right? Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Right. We're like, Oh, he, he just doesn't fit in the pro system. And it's like, we got to take Wilson, right? But you look at Mahomes, you look at Deshaun, you look at Russ Wilson, like these quarterbacks were all good in college. Very Uh, good. Mahomes had a lot of question marks on him, right? But you look at Fields, number one recruit coming out of Georgia, right? Goes to Georgia, transfers to Ohio State, has the pedigree. What did Zach Wilson, what did he come out as a recruit? Oh, no one wanted him, right? He played really, really good against Coastal Carolina. Yes, correct. And that's something that I would be more interested in even diving into next year when we do this draft analysis is where were they rated coming out of their college recruiting class? Because if we think about the Green Bay Packers and Rashawn Gary, he was the number one recruit coming out of the country, was he not? Uh, He was up there, yeah. He was up there. And I, I think the track record of being elite is really important. And I think these teams at the top of the draft class kind of forget about that. And they're trying to, they're playing that fear approach game. But I agree with you, Matt. Thibodeau is my number one guy off the board. Thibodeau is my number one athlete in this draft class. I think you have two defensive ends, edge rushers that are going to be elite and him and Hutchinson. And anybody that says, hey, Thibodeau's falling out of the top 10, man, if he falls to 11 or 12, teams should be scrambling to their phones to trade up for him because it's an absolute, I mean, it's a crime. 11's Washington, Thibodeau, Sweat, and fucking... Uh, Chase Young. Young, bro, yeah. Um, the other guy is is gonna be uh, I forget his first name, but Neil, the guy who tested out, or excuse me, not Neil Davis, uh, Jordan Davis, I think, uh, who tested out of his mind from yeah. Georgia. Um, he's slipping. Um, you know, and, and that and that whole Georgia defense, right? Which I I get the Trayvon Walker because I've seen the stats, and and the one thing that I do get is yeah, his stats aren't as good, his numbers aren't as good, but. He played on the best defense, arguably, in college football history this past year, right? So, of course, his numbers aren't going to be as elevated as a guy like Hutch or Thibodeau yeah, because they didn't play with you know the same guys. Um, 
But I mean, it, it, this is the draft, and this is why it's so electric because it is the bucket of hope, right? I'm in sales, but you you have your sales that you're like, yes, I'm going to make this sale, and then you have your bucket of hope. You're like, if <laughs> I catch Matt at the right time, the right day, the right discount, I sell. might sell them, right? <laughs> this like, there's the bucket of hope. Like it, it, Trayvon Walker could transform my my franchise. But mm-hmm. uh, usually it's the quarterback, right? Malik Willis will take the Falcons back to Mike Vick status, you know, and and that's that's the beauty of the draft, Matt. Now, first, before we get to this part next year to see and pat ourselves on the back because we did do pretty well last year, um, I, I truly am interested to see how close our mocks are come next Monday. Like, oh, we got you know ten out of thirty-two right. I'm really excited. Well, and I'm more excited for next year with our mocks because we did our mocks based on who we would take. Right. And we're going to know a lot better come next year how how our evaluation is based on the performance of these players and where we had them go because we both have Thibodeau going number one overall, right? Thibodeau goes out and has 15 sacks next year on Washington. <laughs> right, right. Or we're he gonna, sucks dick and we're, we're going like, to be sending our TikTok yeah. videos to every NFL team saying, we want 150000 a year. We want to lead your oh, scouting department. And uh, we want to Ben's ready for us at all times. But no, but to the end of the, end of the day, it's fun doing this. Um, yeah. And, and there were guys last year, you know, like I genuinely thought Leatherwood might be able to be an NFL level right tackle guard. You know, I, I had some concerns. Um, think he went to the wrong team, but you know, Micah Parsons didn't love him. Didn't hate him. He played out of his goddamn mind last year. I mean, right. absolutely best case scenario, but for the most part, you know, this draft doesn't have the same level elite talent in my perspective. Quarterbacks don't have the same pedigree. It'll be very interesting to see how many quarterbacks go first round. Well, everyone buckle up for the second round of the NBA playoffs. We'll have breakdowns and analysis of the first round thoughts on legacy. Who needs to have the biggest legacy round for round two. And then of course, a recap of the NFL draft over the weekend on our Tuesday episode. As always, we're pumping clips heavy this weekend and this week, recapping some of these episodes on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at pitcher bet pod. We hope you guys have a great weekend. We appreciate you guys rocking with us. Cheers later.